rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. Now, buddies, I'm a little under the weather today. I'm not feeling too hot, but you know what? I am feeling super hot about today's episode because not only do we bring you uh, one of my favorite bands from the 90s and of all time, the Toadies, uh, we're going to introduce you to one of my new favorite bands, Ume from Austin, Texas. Uh, this whole episode came to be because I've known Donnie Blair, uh, the bass player of the Toadies, for quite some time now. Uh, I know him through his band, the Mag 7, uh, inter- an instrumental surf punk band uh, that Bill Stevenson of The Descendants has recorded with and occasionally played with. Uh, Donnie would bring his uh, side project to Colorado several times, and they'd play uh, the bar I worked at, the Triple Nickel, and me and him got to be fast friends. Uh, so when the opportunity came to be for the Den- Denver Toadie Show, I jumped at it. Of course. I mean, I know damn bass player. Of course it's going to happen. I emailed Donnie, and Donnie helps me grease the wheels and get this whole thing set up. I uh, meet a show up at the Bluebird about 5 o'clock and sit down with uh, my new buddy, Mr. Vaden Todd Lewis, the guitar player and singer of the Toadies. And uh, Donnie Blair, me and him, me and the two of us, we sit down in the balcony of uh, the Bluebird Theater and we just bullshit and do the usual mostly harmless thing. Afterwards, me and Donnie are, you know, we're, we're going downstairs. We're bullshitting a little bit. And I lean over to him and I'm like, hey, Donnie, what do you think the chances are of getting me an interview with uh, Paige Hamilton? Uh, unfortunately, the helmet's you know, management had turned down an interview opportunity, which fair enough happens all the time. You know, can't, can't get them all buddies. And Donnie's like, you know what? Um, we probably make something happen, but you know what I think you should do is I think you should interview our opening act. Ume. They are fantastic. They're blowing us off the stage every night. Um, they're winning crowds over left and right. And they're soon to be indie rocks, new darlings. Now I'm paraphrasing. He might not have said any of that, but that's what I remember. That's what we're going to go with. He leads me down the stairs and he points, that's Lauren, the lead singer, Ume, right there. And, of course, I was blown away. I was mesmerized. Uh, Lauren Larson, uh, the lead singer, Ume, try saying that five times fast. Believe me, I've done it. I've had to redo this take five times. Anyway, Lauren Larson uh, is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my entire life. Hands down. Five foot two, blonde hair, blue eyed, and just the aura, the energy she puts off is just fantastic, beautiful, and lovely. And I turn to Donnie and I go, yes, please. <laughs> or something along those lines. Uh, little did I know that she was married to the bass player, but that didn't matter. Uh, he introduced us, bullshitted for a couple of minutes, and I wandered next door to Fatsoli's Pizza, where I ingested a few pieces of pizza and a few more pints of beer. Probably a few more than I should have, as you'll hear from this interview, where, uh, you know, it's pretty good. I'm pretty stoked on the interview for not have having done too much uh, research, I think it came out pretty good, pretty fun, pretty fine. Uh, not only is she a very beautiful woman, she wants to be taken seriously as a serious guitar player, and uh, but at the same time, um, she's full of humor and humility and laughed at my dumb jokes, even when I said that she looked like a gelfling from uh, The Dark Crystal, uh, one of Jim Henson's um, movies. And to me, like that's, that's a compliment because I'm a huge Jim Henson fan, and uh, I, I, I think that man did no wrong during his life. Well, with the exception of not going to the damn doctor when he was sick and dying of pneumonia, but you know, shit happens anyway. So me calling her a gelfling is uh, actually quite a compliment because I love everything Jim Henson has ever done. Uh, I wish I had done a little bit more research because I did just find out that, uh, Ume is going to be on the Austin, Texas episode at Anthony Bourdain's no reservations. That episode is going to premiere on September 3rd. There's a, like a minute and a half long clip on, uh, 
YouTube I just watched and it looks fun as hell. And after meeting the band and talking with Lauren, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a damn fun as hell episode. Again, that episode comes out September 3rd on the Travel Channel. Um, and again, like I've never heard of this band, but I'm I'm going to make damn sure to spread the gospel of Ume. Uh, I'm going to make sure to every single chance I get, I'm going to go see these guys live. They're going to be back through in Fort Collins in November. I believe November, it's either 4th or 5th. I, I just wrote it down, but I can't read my handwriting. And uh, fantastic band. They're going to be playing with Helmet. Hopefully the Toadies will end up jumping on that show. They're not listed on the bill, but uh, who knows. Um, they're a must-see live band. Their live show is incredible. It was fun to watch the crowd slowly fill in, and you listen to all these dudes smirk and sneer at this uh, short little young lady playing the hell of a guitar and by the end of their set everybody's hooting and hollering and they have won the crowd over and we talk about that a little bit today on today's episode uh we're going to open up uh this interview first off we're going to play a uh, song off of uh phantoms uh which is ume's debut lp it's out now on modern outsider records uh the song is called captive and then stay tuned after captive for the uh, interview and then we'll be back with more toadies
we're in the alley of the Bluebird with uh, Lauren from uh, Ume. Ume. Yeah, Ume. What a fancy name. Where does that come from? It's um, Japanese plum blossom, and it's a symbol of perseverance and hope. That I, that's what I've come to learn. Um, when we first picked the band name, we had no clue we'd ever play outside of a garage, and anyone ever have to pronounce our name. So, <laughs> Are you, how many times have you answered that question? That's like the most basic bullshit. Well, I haven't done any research. What's what's your name? Even people have done research, and it's Ami, yeah. um, you it's and me. me. It's Ume. Honestly, uh, I think if Donnie Blair hadn't told me earlier, it's Ume, I probably would have met her. What's Umi? <laughs> Umi, is that some kind of uh, shrimp? I don't know. Um, so you were just saying you, this is our, your last night of tour, and you're going to France? Yes. Um, we've been on an amazing run with Toadies and Helmet. And um, this is the last night. We're driving back to Austin, Texas, 17-hour drive tomorrow. Fun. And then on next Thursday, we're flying out to Paris for the Rock and Sin Festival with um, like Black Keys, Green Day, Beach House, a lot of bands. Um, it'll be our European debut. Wow. And then we're going back out with these guys, West Coast Run. They asked us to join them. That's just a huge honor. Yeah. You're not going to do their uh, Dia de Toadies thing? Dia de los no. Toadies. Yeah. We did it last year. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. it was a blast. But uh, we might get back from Europe in time to get in the river with them. Yeah. Well, those guys think very highly of you, uh, of your band and oh, you. Because you, yeah. I was like, hey, do you think you can give me an interview with Paige Hamilton? And Donnie pulled me aside. He's like, look, Paige Hamilton's cool and all, but... <laughs> But fucking, you need to go interview this band yeah. right well, now you. because they're they're about to be the next big indie rock darling thing. And and I made it a point to come back early because I was like, oh, I'll come back and see Helmet. I'm going to skip the opening band because Donnie's like going like, no. Oh, well, thank you. need you. to be there. So Appreciate you guys it. blew me away. And I went and I went, I did a little research. I really like the uh, the part that com- it compared to you guys to Dolly Parton <laughs> on your Facebook page. I'm sure you have it memorized. Something, oh, about something about um, Dolly Parton, but then you guys take the stage and you're louder than Nirvana I, at a political concert. I think or something. So if you told anyone I look like Dolly Parton, they'd get the wrong idea. No, no. You know what, I mean, it's a pod, but you know what I'm saying. I'm, you know what I'm I was a petite girl. <laughs> you know what I was thinking. I, I come inside and I'm looking and I'm like, she looks like a gelfling. You know what a gelfling is? Thanks. Dark, dark crystal. Impish. No, no. I like, I like the dark crystal and I'm like she looks like one of the gelflings that's awesome and then throughout the set I was like she kind of looks like Kristen Bell meets a gelfling Kristen Bell from Veronica Mars it was great how old are you if you don't mind me asking that's a secret Uh, 22, 23 older 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 older. yeah I'm older than I look Uh, of course you are you look 15 (laughs) okay Um, you are married to the bass player though right yeah doesn't that take away from some of the sex appeal? Doesn't it make it harder to sell records? Because no, I'm boys. not trying to sell records through sex appeal. I'm trying to sell records that rock. Oh, well, that's very good. Yeah, that's a very good answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not up there to be posing with the guitar. I'm, you know, playing and want to be respected as a guitarist and musician. Right. Uh, so, shit with the guitar. So the standard boring questions I always ask everybody, and I don't know if they're actually boring, but I'm curious. Like when you're five, six years old, yeah. And I ask this of everybody. Um, what was it? What were your favorite bands when you were like five or six years old? What was that thing where you were like, I can't stop listening to the song over and over and over again? Rick Ocasek, 45, Emotion in Motion. I don't even know what that is. Car Singer. Great. Okay. Emotion in Motion. Lindsey Buckingham, Trouble. Barbara Streisand, Woman in Love. And um, then I got her to the Muppet album and GNR and uh, Prince. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of routines to Prince. Maybe some Millie Vanilli in there. 
at, at one point did you start playing music? What was your first instrument? Was it guitar? No. Piano. Started piano lessons when I was in second grade. Picked up a tennis racket, pretended like it was a guitar, played oboe. And then when I was 12, I picked up my brother's guitar. And, um, I mean, I'd always been into, you know, kind of my parents' record collection, heavy music. And uh, next thing I, know, I started playing a Nirvana song, Come As You Are. And I go, oh, this is easier than I thought. But my hands weren't big enough to do the traditional chords. Are they big enough now? Because they're still pretty tiny. No, they're the same size. I don't yeah. think I've really grown since I was 13. But um, I've developed my own style and do my own tunings. That's why I do so many different guitars. And um, kind of adapted nice. for being... Gelflingish. Yeah, I, I for for a six one gentleman, I have pretty small hands. Yeah. Um, my father, my father was like, "Oh, we're gonna wait till you grow older and your hands get bigger, and we'll I'll teach you how to play guitar." Never learned how to play guitar. I am kind of a pretend bass player, but yeah. everybody pretends, you know, whatever. But um, so what? What made you decide to start playing guitar with your brother's guitar? It was my brother's guitar. I picked it up and um, then I stayed up all night with the tape of Incesticide and learned aneurysm. And I just fell in love with it. Um, then some older guys, like I grew up in a very small hick town in Texas, but I started going to kind of, you know, like yeah. punk rock shows and um, DIY, yeah, and DIY punk rock. rock scene when I was like 14, 13. And um, these older guys, but then I played guitar, I got recommended. And I, so I got in a thrash grindcore metal band at age 14 called 12 Blades. And um, that really got me playing live music and being loud. What, what was the small town in Texas? West Columbia. I don't know where that is. Yeah, no, it's 4,000 people. Well, I grew up in, I was born in Dallas, but I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah, it was by the coast, kind of. Okay, so I have no idea. Like, Galveston Coast? South of Galveston by Freeport. Oh, wow, crazy. Most polluted area in the nation. Um, What brought you to singing? Why did you start singing? Have you always been a singer? No, no, I was the one they said to be quiet. I uh, never thought I'd be a singer, and I still really identify as a guitarist, and that's probably still my biggest insecurity or vocals, but... um, we were playing in a band, and I said, well, let me just try it. And at first, I just had to kind of scream. I was real guttural, and like, Bleh. But I, um, I probably found, probably found my voice in the last couple records we did, and I, I feel a lot better about it now. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know about the rest of the band, but you're not from Austin. What brought you to Austin? Yeah, I had been going to grad school in Pennsylvania. Um, so you left Texas, went to Pennsylvania. Hated it. It was in frozen frat country. Of State College, just nightmare. Got out of there after three and a half years. I was in a PhD program in philosophy and um, left that and decided to just pursue music full time. In Austin, we had all our friends there. I want to get back to Texas, that's the place to be. Yeah. Love it. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Philosopher? <laughs> Philosopher slash rock star. Nice. Has that always been a thing like in the background? Exactly. Is like, that's no, all I want to do. I, no, I never thought. I always wanted to be a. Mm-hmm. Musician, like a that was always my dream, even when I was really young. To be young, not I wasn't really like a big performer per se, but just to be able to have that. Once I started playing live, and I used to be really shy with it, but really made that emotional connection, and you can hold nothing back. And I think I surprised a lot of people. And I've also been told that I inspire a lot of people just because I don't necessarily look the part that I right. play. Just to, and that that to me is um got kind of you know. Yeah, that, that was what inspires me. Yeah, that was an interesting thing just watching the crowd. Like, because when I walked in, there was maybe thirty people here, maybe forty when you guys first hit the stage, yeah. and then like I looked back around and there's like maybe 200, 400, I don't know how many. I'm not yeah. good at guessing, but all the women were like, they're in love with you. Like, not maybe not in love, but in awe. They're like, man, if she can do that. I can do that. So yeah, I take it you I get, get that I a lot. Get that, um, yeah, some. Um, 
you know, I, I get a lot of weird stuff, but I get a lot of nice <laughs> stuff too. And um, that's always, I have, I've had several women come up to me and say that I made them fall in love with music again, or they're just inspired to see a woman up there that, um, you know, rocks out. It, it's interesting too that you mentioned uh, Nirvana a bunch of times because the comparisons to Nirvana are pretty crazy <laughs> for you guys, right? Like, it's it's pretty much like a female fronted Nirvana is what you guys are doing. Is that the goal or no? I never. I never think of ourselves as like even a '90s band. You get that? I get that a lot. I mean, that was just when I was a kid. That's why I started out. Yeah. My goal is just to provide you know make music that's intense and melodic at the same time, and um, but never trying to be like a post grunge redo right. or something like that. But uh, it definitely was a band that inspired me to start playing. Yeah. And, and probably, it's but like playing. It shows in a good way, music. though. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's a compliment. Yeah. Um, I, I I hear, like, there was one song your drummer started playing. I'm like, man, this is like a good stoner rock song. And then it just <laughs> rips. It's good because you, yeah. you guys are kind of unclassifiable at the moment. Cool, yeah. Um, thanks. We, we try to, I mean, incorporate a lot. And with our new drummer, Rachel, we've only been playing with her since last year. But she's really got a new rhythmic intensity. And then it was to do little, you know, flashy things rhythmic-wise. Yeah. Um, so... I, how did you and your husband meet the bass player? Did you guys meet before the band, or is, was it the band that got you guys together? No, he saw me in my first band. I met him when I was 15. Wow. He's the first guy that ever asked for my phone number. Uh-huh. Saw me play, and um, this is when I was real shy. I mean, I was a little kid. He was a, you know, a kid, too. And um, he said, if I ever see that girl again, I'm going to talk to her. And then four months later, my band was playing a show in, in, at a community center in Houston. And he came up and you know asked for my number. And then insep- right, at a skate park in here, at a skate park is where we met. Fair yeah. And inseparable ever since. Yeah, yeah, we've been. Did he go to Pennsylvania with you too? Yeah. Wow, what a what a fantastic young man. Yeah. Um, when did you guys start playing music together? Kind of right after we met. We were in different, you know, bad bands in high school. Um, so you guys moved moved back to Austin. You hated Pennsylvania. Um, what started this band? Ume. Yeah, Did I say it right that time? Yeah. Um, it was several years ago. We we played the first show with Ume with our old drummer, and then right away, that's then I moved away to grad school, and we played on and off. And um, The whole history, there's a lot of like, black holes in it, but I'd say we really got serious when we did our EP in like 2009. Cool. Um, I know, like, Heart, is Heartless Bastard still based yeah, out of uh, yeah, Austin? Uh, Eric is a good friend of mine. Oh, is yeah. I uh, I booked some shows. Well, I booked a show for them in Colorado Springs once upon a time. And, yeah. And uh, anyway, but like, why? Like, just the like strong female vocals. I can't help but make yeah, the thanks. comparison. So yeah, Eric has a wonderful voice. Yeah. Um, let's look at some of these little half-ass notes I made here. Okay. Um, no, you guys got uh, handpicked by Perry Farrell to open. <laughs> We were, it was the beginning of this tour, and um, we got a, you know, I was told we got an important phone call come in, so film it, I'm by our manager, and it was Perry Farrell, who, and um, I answered my cell, and he goes, this is Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction Lollapalooza, uh, we'd like Ume to open for us, and he um, run a site called Red Bull Soundstage, like, just promote, you know, there's a few hundred bands on there, and he picked us off that site to open, you know, we didn't, it was crazy, so we flew out to Lollapalooza and played their official after party at the Aragon Ballroom, wow. like 5,000 people, and... I, I, I can't even imagine that. Like, you guys go... I, I assume you guys went from, like, Austin, like, bars to 5,000 people? Or were you already on this, like... We were on this tour. We missed... Oh. Uh, it was kind of hard to get... Th- we were on this run, and we had to leave in the middle of the run. We missed Rochester. Hmm. So we had played New York, and then um, our buddy flew from Austin to New York, drove our van from New York to Chicago, 
We rented a car to Boston to play with Toadies and Helmet, flew out the next day to Chicago, met up with our band, and played um, the Aragon Ballroom. How many times did you have to pinch yourself for that experience? Like that, that's oh, kind of like a, what? <laughs> Too, you know, we're still, you know, we're a band in a broken down band, basically living out of it. We break down every tour. Um, we broke down the day before we were leaving for this tour. We didn't even know we could make it. It was a total nightmare. And um, when we got off the plane, there was a limo waiting for us, and we almost started crying. <laughs> Just like this is not, you know, even if we're in it for fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. it was. Fancy. We're not used to fancy schmancy. No, I. Who would be at this <laughs> yeah. this point? And uh, so you're you're on this tour with Helmet and Toadies. I I take it you got it because you guys are from Austin and Toadies are from Texas and you guys are buddies. Is yeah, that how well, that works? They, we've they just been so great to us. They're just the most amazing guys, and they um picked us to play their St. Patty's Day party um last year in Dallas, and then we mm-hmm. got to play Dia with them and um, nice. just did a stub show with them. And so then they submitted our name for this tour, um, and Helmet approved. And then um, about the third day of this tour, they said, "Any interest in going on the West Coast with us?" You know, and Helmet was supposed to pick the band for that. And then they all said, "Yeah, let's bring Emily out on that again." So it's been awesome for us. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. Uh, what have you learned from touring? You guys have toured before before this tour, yeah, right? Yeah, um, but this has been just like a good, consistent tour, all great nights. And um, this is we played so many like just you know bigger rooms and just. You know, I think for us to still getting the live sound down and getting just the instruments all. I think it's hard for people to do sound for us because we catch them off guard. You know, it's a real loud rock with the female vocals. I'm the same height as the cymbals, and the cymbals are, you know, it's just, it's a different, it's an anomaly that I don't think a lot of bands bring. Right. Um, so, oh, we just learned a lot. I love watching um, Clark and Paige and play guitar. And yeah. It's so much fun. They're, they're, oh, man, those guys are fantastic. <laughs> um and then, like, Donnie, I've known Donnie for, I don't know, three or four years now. And he's just like, I've met him maybe four or five times for maybe a night every time. And he's yeah. the nicest guy. He walks up, hey, Damien, how you doing? Give me a hug. What's going well, on, he buddy? he was in a band Hackfish, which I yeah, saw I back in the Hackfish. day. Yeah, that's I, how I saw I, them back in the mid-90s. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, he's the sweet, sweetheart. Real real gentleman. Good guy. Yeah. Uh, what's the new album you guys got? You guys have a full length out. Um, how long has it been out? I'm sorry, I, I didn't it's do okay. the uh, correct we research. Have a full length called phantoms released august 30th of last year so it's nice. been a year and we are going into the studio in between so after france and we're going in the studio before this upcoming tour with toadies and helmet with a producer named adam casper and he's done such albums as queens of the stone age songs for the deaf mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite Me sounding too. records cat power um did uh he actually did the, the final nirvana song that was ever released oh wow so um he kind of got our music and then he says he doesn't respond to a lot of bands and he responded to us we met him in seattle and nervous about that but i'm excited (laughs) um so how have you guys like every time i've 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 been on tour a couple times with bands i've ended up in austin and like we've played to five people how do you build an audience in austin yeah i've driven 800 miles and played to five people to play to no one even one time our buddy who was selling merch for us walked out so been there done that um it's just consistency we've played so many shows to nobody you have to put your heart into it completely Mm -hmm. i've played to nine people before and um one of them happened to be joan jett you know you never know who's going to be there so you but it's not even about oh because there might be someone famous there that's not even what it's about it's a you know it's not i think it was eric that told me he read his quote by henry rollins even if there's two people there it's not that guy's fault no one else showed up so you put your heart into it and um I think people catch that, that we're a passionate band and um, genuine about it, and 
hopefully people res- it resonates with people. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's from getting the van, and yeah. that's one of the most influential things on my entire a young adult existence was like stuff like that because yeah, exactly. Henry talks a lot about like we'd show up and I wouldn't put my heart into it and then I'd get yelled at for for those reasons you know yeah, he yeah. wouldn't put his heart, and now he puts his heart into everything no matter if there's five or right, no people exactly. that's a good lesson to learn oh yeah that's that's what tries to typify our band yeah um so how's married life on the road <laughs> you guys getting one little argument last for a week no, everyone always asks that question. But really? Well, I apologize. I hate asking the questions that everybody else asks. It doesn't, no, I mean, it's, I guess people are interested in it, but to me, being in a band with anyone is kind of like a marriage. It involves an intense level of commitment, intense level of communication, and um, all of us are in the van together, you know, under, I mean, day in and day out. Um, I guess they're going to just have you know, more practice at it. Yeah. Where is he going? <laughs> um, so... Uh, you guys are going to France, then the West Coast leg of this tour. You guys are going to be back in Colorado, I think, uh, Grand Junction and Fort Collins soon. Yes. Those shows are going to be excellent. I'll try to Excited. make it to the Fort Collins show. Cool, yeah. Um, what else you guys got going on? Uh, you just so the new record. W- any idea um, when that's going to be out? Early next year. You know, we'll finish that up this year. Any idea who's going to put it out? No idea. DIY? Or are you going to shop it around or DIY? Uh, you never—that's just a hard question with the state of the music industry now, because um, we've had offers in the past that are just—I'm not—we're not going to sign a bad deal. Right. But if we can get something that can launch us to a larger audience, definitely. Cool. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Lauren, I don't—I'm sorry I didn't do more research, but no uh, apologies. Thank you for covering us, especially so last minute. No, no, it was great. Like you guys were awesome, and uh, Donnie was like. Uh, you got it. You got to talk to these guys. Uh, one last thought was was I did watch you guys win over that crowd. How does it feel to finally win over a crowd? Like especially because they're so unresponsive at the beginning and at the end they're screaming along. What's that like? How's that I've feel? Done, I've done that a lot. Um, of course you have. Well, I, I don't mean that in a cocky way. I just mean it's kind of like it's a thing. It's a challenge for me because I even take the stage and sometimes I hear people laugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Paige Hammond is not taking the stage and hearing people giggle. Uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. he he put it on a put on a little weight. I saw him. Well, I don't. I've never heard anyone giggle or vain anything. No one's giggling. So we'll take a second. I hear giggles. I've heard. Show me your tits. You know, before we even play. Um, and so my goal is just to shatter expectations and play good music. That's all I want to do. And it, and it was great. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna wipe this poop off my nose here real quick no no but you guys were great and it was fantastic and uh donnie did say like i think these guys are going to be the next indie darling so what do you think about that are you excited about being the next indie darlings well if it happens it happens you know as long as we get to play and you know people like our music i'm doing it well sweet well it was fantastic talking to you miss miss lauren thank you thank you (laughs) all right well thank you lauren for joining me down that dark and scary alley right behind the bluebird theater uh, I'm pretty sure that if you had listened to the intro I made at the top of the show, I'm pretty sure there's no way in hell you ever would have went down a darkened alley with me, <laughs> ever. But no, in all seriousness, thank you for being a wonderful, warm, humorous person and laughing at all my stupid jokes and uh, being a good sport about everything. Um, and thank you for not being mad at me for doing an intense lack of research. Again, if this tour is coming anywhere near you guys, please make sure you show up early and see Ume. They will blow you off the stage. Your mouth will be hanging open. They are a force to be reckoned with, and they really can hang with the big boys and the other two bands. 
there is a reason they're open on this tour and there's a reason why they ended up on both legs. It's because they're fucking awesome. And make sure you check them out on Anthony Bourdain's No Reservation September 3rd on the Travel Channel. Now let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, of course, we're going to move in the second half of this episode. Uh, it's with my good buddy, Donnie Blair, and my new good buddy, Mr. Baden Todd Lewis of the Toadies. Um, again, at the top of the episode, I talked about how I had uh, known Donnie for a good few few years now. Um, always a wonderful guy. Always, whenever he comes to town, he's always super nice and super sweet. His band, the Surf Punk instrumental band the mag seven is uh definitely worth checking out uh bill stevenson plays drums on i believe all the live recordings well not live recordings but of all the recordings of their albums and it's definitely worth it um i first came into contact with the toadies like like pretty much all of us did uh you know in 1994 when rubberneck was re- released i was 13 years old and i was obsessed with the radio and tyler away and possum kingdom were in constant rotation on 99x in shreveport louisiana and uh, I just fell in love with this band. Um, they're up there as far as influences in the same realm as Nirvana and Pearl Jam for me, uh, two of my favorite bands at the time. And then, of course, Green Day. But Green Day came a little bit later and then different and whatnot. So um, still, it, it's fantastic to sit down and meet people that um, really did have a huge impact on your life. In the research that I did for this episode, I found that people were asking the same questions over and over and over again. I tried to avoid that stuff. I didn't really want to talk about the breakup of the band. I didn't want to talk about why their second album never got released. Um, I really didn't want to talk too much about their festival Dia de las Todis because again that's that's talked about in every single interview and I wanted to try to get a different unique spin on the Todis and uh, Donnie Blair after the interview told me that he he was really happy with it he thought it was fun it was a good time and I think you're going to have a good uh, good fun time listening to it too now uh, back I believe July 31st was the official release date for Play Rock Music that's play period, rock period, music period. But really, it should be play exclamation point, rock exclamation point, music exclamation point. Because it is a goddamn great, fantastic album. And as we talk about in today's episode, um, really, I Rubberneck has not, to me, it has not aged a day. No Deliverance is a great album. Their uh, 2008 Return to Form another album that really hasn't aged a day. Like, these guys kind of create timeless rock and roll. And that's what we talk about today. We talk about uh, their earliest influences and what goes into making what uh, is timeless rock and roll. Uh, the, this episode's going up tomorrow, which is August 24th. If by any chance you weren't aware, the Toadies do a uh, summer leaf festival. This is going to be the fifth year, uh, Labor Day weekend. It's, sept- it's August 31st and September 1st. And a new, let's see if we can say this right, new brothels. Texas. It's right outside Austin, Texas, the Whitewater Amphitheater. It's called Dia de las Toadies. And this year the lineup's the best one yet, in my opinion. You know, you got the Toadies. You got Mariachi El Bronx. I just saw the Bronx open for the Refused in Denver and it was fantastic. I can't oh I'm so jealous. I want to see the Mariachi so bad. Uh you got Helmet, another fantastic band. Uh Riverboat Gamblers, probably one of my favorite Texas punk bands going right now. Uh Brutal Juice. And then you got even more. Um it's going to be a fantastic weekend. I wish I could make it out there for that, but I'm not. Instead, I'm going to Riot Fest in Chicago to see Elvis Costello. Uh, so anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit rambling because we're just going to get into this episode. And I think I talk enough about myself during this interview. But uh, we get some really, really good stuff out of it. And I'm really, really proud of this interview. And I think it's one of the best ones I've ever done. And thank you, Donnie Blair, for helping set it up and being a part of it. And I think your enthusiasm and energy really, really helped take this from being a really good interview to a great interview. And thank you, Vaden, for uh, 
thank you Vaden for all the music and all the songs and I like to kiss ass and that's what I'm doing right now so uh, we're going to open this episode up with the uh, opening song on the new record play rock music it's called Rattlers Revival and we're going to end the episode with uh, with another kick ass song off that record too so uh, stay tuned uh, play rock music's out right now on Kirtland Records please check it out this is uh, Rattlers Revival I'm hanging out upstairs at the Bluebird Theater with uh, Donnie Blair and Todd from the Toadies. Where does Vanden come from? Is that your real first name? Uh, Vaden is my first Vaden. name. Yeah, Vaden Dodd-Lewis. Yeah. I got the email going, yeah, Vaden's going to sit down and do an interview with you. I'm like, who the hell is that? Because I'd always assumed it was just Todd. So, anyway. yeah, uh, Everybody outside the band calls me Vaden. 
well, I'll, I'll start calling you Baden then, if that's sure, okay. Maybe, that's acceptable. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, so, how old are you guys now? Oh, too old to, to <laughs> care. 47? 46. 46, nice. I'm trying to age you. What about you, Donnie? 40. 40. Oh, you, you're the young man. Um, you guys both grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or somewhere in that vicinity? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I was born in Dallas, but I grew up in Shreveport. Um, I unfortunately call Shreveport home. So, um, But uh, for me, like, wh- what I'm really curious about on these shows is like uh, people's earliest experiences, what got them into things. So I'm curious, like, when you're five or six years old, what was the first thing that, you, like, you latched onto music-wise? Oh, um, or younger. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, first thing I latched onto music-wise. Well, my, I was a, raised in the church, a Baptist church, so I always liked uh, hymns and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not religious by any stretch at this point. But, uh, but you know, the music's still very moving. Uh, you know, you get a good version of Amazing Grace, and it's just tears you up you know mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i took piano as a kid and i don't know i just always uh imagined doing music i remember having a like a daydream when i was a kid of having a band and playing in front of my third grade class in the auditorium and of course i didn't know anything about it so i was all you know no no instruments just yeah you know stand there i don't know so i didn't <laughs> i think i think my dog was up there but uh anyway uh um yeah, yeah, Partridge Family, Monkeys, all those old TV shows. I fucking love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, what was your family's role in the church? Did they, or did you guys just go to church constantly? Uh, my dad was the preacher. Oh, fancy. So, yes, we went to church constantly. Constantly. <laughs> Even when we didn't go to church, we went to fucking church. So that's been ingrained in you since, like, you were born, probably, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Until I was 16 and began to know better. <laughs> What about you, Donnie? What was your uh, earliest like memories, experiences? Oh uh, well, my dad was a disc jockey, so oh, wow. where he, was that? In Sherman. It's like forty-five minutes north of Dallas. I know where that is. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, and um, he would always just bring music to the house and play it. My mom and dad were super hippies, so they were always playing Zeppelin and The Who and stuff like that. So. We would go up to the stations and listen to music with my dad. So it was, you know, that and Steely Dan that we were always surrounded by that, you know. That's kind of earliest memory, so it was just always around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at, at what point did you decide you wanted to start playing? 13 or so. Yeah. We got, uh, that's about when decided, like, saw guys playing guitar, like we saw The Who and Zeppelin stuff. So Zach and I were just... I want to do that, but I wanted to be a drummer at first. Yeah. But That's we had a friend that was a drummer, so they said, you play bass. And then I heard Chris Squire, and I'm like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. I can't play like Chris Squire, but I, <laughs> I thought I could. And can't. Then, yeah. and, and those that don't know, uh, your brother's in Rise Against, right, Zach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. my brother Zach. Yeah. The newest. And you guys were both in Mike Most Fish people, Most people know Zach from his brief stint in the Burden Brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Rise Again, is that what that's called? Against. Rise Against. Are they, Against. Are they like from uh, Arlington or something? Yes. They're um, <laughs> Texas Hippie Coalition. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Actually, they still pissed off and mad about it from Zach. Did they? Yes. Oh. Te- Texas Hippie Coalition played in my bar last night. You're kidding me. Yeah, I didn't stay and watch them, though. Should we grew up with Rich. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> we grew up with Rich, actually. We actually had a... All right. I don't really need to give him ammo to fuck with me, but... No, but... but I, I, only five people listen to this, so... Well, but Zach and I had a band called um, Harm's Way with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> See? See? There you go. And... <laughs> Damn it, it's the last day of tour. <laughs> <laughs> and Rich like, sang for us for a while. <laughs> we got all night to drive. and um, <laughs> But Rich is a good guy. He really is. They're doing well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I think you had a question in there Uh-oh. somewhere. <laughs> I, uh, how you started playing bass, and then I mentioned that Zach was your brother. Oh, yeah. But I was going to yeah. say, like, I know you guys from Hagfish. Like, Hagfish was one of those, like, when I got into punk rock, that was... I just rem- it was more the cover of the Naked Girl Boxer than Thank anything you. else that I remember. Well, we actually, our first gigs were opening for the Toadies, actually. Um, it was, our first gig in Deep Ellum was us and the Toadies at Clearview. And we would watch them and just go, fuck. Because Todd would just be sitting there screaming, his face getting red, and it would never go down. We're like, I don't want to piss that guy off. And then everyone, <laughs> no one would move. You know, Todd, the only move would be Todd leaning in and screaming. Everyone was just looking at their instruments and really intent beating the shit out of their instruments. So, scared the shit out of us. So, <laughs> we were stoked. <laughs> and we, we were actually, a lot of our songs, we were more influenced by Dallas bands, yeah. like Toadies, than anything. So, rapping out all around, when Zach was in the Burden Brothers... He was stoked because it was a great band, and he was stoked because we'd already played with Taz, but he was more stoked to be in a band with Todd, you know, so, and he's still going to fuck with me, it doesn't matter, so there we go. <laughs> As he should, right? Well, yeah, no shit. Has he heard the Mag 7 records? No. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've given them all to him. Yeah, yeah. Was, definitely. Was a little... Thank you. Yeah. Playful dig there, yeah, there too. Uh, so what about you? you? You said you were playing guitar in the church. Oh, uh, no, no. No, uh, piano. No, no, I never played uh, in the church. Uh, but um, yeah, my mom played piano occasionally in the church whenever the piano player was sick or whatever, and claims that she has no musical skill. But it's fucking amazing. But um, uh, anyway, I took piano as a kid, and that's probably what first sparked my interest and creativity in music. Is uh, uh, the teacher? I learned this piece of music, and my teacher, I was, I think nine. And the piece of the teacher said, uh, okay, your assignment, now that you've learned it, is to go home and change it somehow. Hmm. And uh, it scared the fuck out of me, so I didn't know how to change it. So I just moved this hand down an octave and this hand up an octave, and I played it that way. And that's all I did. And I, I hope that's good enough. And she she was just over the moon. So uh, And I was like, oh, wow, I don't have to do music exactly the way it's written or... Or any of that shit, and then I just started. Then I started making stuff up, and yeah, it's really cool. Were you in the choir or anything? Oh, Where yeah. did you learn to sing choir? Uh, I sang in choir, but I didn't really learn to sing until I was in a band. It was kind of the same thing. Is uh, you know, you wanted to play drums. I played guitar, and we were in a you know high school. All you get to, in Fort Worth, cover band is all only gig you get. It's like I want to play, and so it's cover bands. And so we play covers, and another my pussy friends wanted to sing, so. Uh, so I just stepped in and did it because nobody else would do it, and it was—I uh, really took to it. Yeah. Uh, where did you like? 
Sorry, old friends. Yeah. Uh, did you, though, did you ever have <laughs> any, like, formal... Was there any formal training? Uh, you know, um, the, uh, I'm not proud of it, but the only college I did was about a year and a half of uh, community college, mm-hmm. and I took all music and literature classes, and that's all I was interested in. And once I was done with those, I dropped out uh, and had to get a job. So you know, my dad was like, hey, drop out of school, you get off my insurance, you'll get, be digging ditches, and you'll fall down and break your leg and die! Which I, has not happened yet. But uh, um, anyway, so yeah, I took enough college to, you know, I don't know, until I went and got a job. And uh, anyway, t- to your question, I took some um, vocal classes and uh, a couple of voice classes right. in that and some, you know, a couple of just jazz guitar and stuff like that and theory classes. I, le- I really got a lot out of the theory classes. The vocal classes really, the, the main lesson I got out of the vocal classes, and I've read this from singers and stuff is uh, sing until it hurts and then stop because if you keep singing you're going to fuck your voice up and uh, so I've kind of stuck to that one thing I've always liked and that's kind of where I was kind of getting to because you can scream on key but it's still singing but it's screaming that vocal I just I don't know I I can't imagine me singing in the shower I don't know how the hell you would have figured out how to do that without like some kind of lessons or something somewhere Uh, it's just in there I don't know Uh, I think part of it is I think part of my whole thing is because my dad was a preacher I think I picked up a lot of a lot of stuff I mean he's really good I watched him uh, they had a dedication when he retired and uh, dedicated a new pulpit to him and he nearly pulled that motherfucker out of the ground I mean it was it was moving he's like so on fire it's really something to see um, I mean, a really good preacher is really inspired, you know, regardless of what, you know, what they're saying, mm-hmm. which I don't agree with, but it's just so intense, you know. And he's got this great, uh, I'm now rambling, but uh, the, the, he, uh, do it. you know, I, watching him at that dedication was the first time I saw him preach since I was 16 when, I, when he allowed me to stop going to church. And, um, and I was like, wow, I really picked up a lot of stuff from this guy. It's like, you know, you come out with a, you know, just he comes out with a, a little bit of a joke, introduces his topic, kind of gets into it a little bit, digresses to a story about mm-hmm. his childhood, makes it funny, and then bam, hits you with this emotional punch. It's like it's fucking gr- really something to see, man. I'm the guy Shelley would have loved to come to see. Yeah, it's really something. My wife is a Christian. I'm not, but my wife is, and but she has she was raised Southern Baptist, but has her way on thoughts about it, you know. But the thing that she won't go to churches is because. She'll go, and the guy will just intone, you know. And she's like, "I'm not, I'm not." That's gonna do boring. This shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she wants to, you know. And I want her to go. I'm like, you should go. I want you to be stoked and come out of there with fervor, you yeah, know, yeah. not to be like, eh. <laughs> so I wish you could have seen your dad. Then. Yeah, that yeah. sounds that sounds cool. It's a performance art. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, you know. So you come from the strict. Well, I assume strict, maybe. Maybe not. Um, how supportive were your family in your musical endeavors? Oh, not a bit. Are they now? Now uh, that you're, you know, um, we've agreed to disagree and just not just not talk about some things. Um, you know, they under they acknowledge that I'm an, I'm a musician and I don't believe what they believe and all that other stuff, but they, we just don't discuss it. Um, uh, ironically enough, the first bit of a, uh, uh, I don't want to throw my dad under the bus because he's a great guy, but uh, the first nod of approval that I got towards music from my dad was when I told him what how much my advance was from Interscope. It's, it's funny, though, because you know? that's, that's the way parents yeah. are. They're like, oh, oh hey. So you're really making money at this. Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, well, now it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny, my, uh, my little sister, she just got a job at the bank tailor, and in um, the bank she works for in the entire corporation's history, she got robbed the quickest. Within three days, it took her to get robbed. And my mother's first question was, so does that mean you get to be full-time now? <laughs> so it's just funny. That's, that's just what parents worry about, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yep, they don't care. What about yours, Donnie? Um, well, they were, they were hippies. Oh, and yeah, and Dad was in that. So once Zach and I decided we wanted to be musicians, they supported us. Actually, the the day my dad died, we had a gig booked. Hagfish did, so I was going to cancel it. My mom made me not because she said our dad would have been really mad if we had. <laughs> and they went without a lot of nice things for Zach and I to do that. So that's awesome. Yeah, they were in, they were incredibly supportive. So we both kind of feel. Not a moral obligation to them, but someone like they sacrificed so fucking much for, for us first to do that, that we have to make something of ourselves doing right. this. I, I feel that myself. Yeah. Wait, that was the dry. That was the impetus. We always wanted to, but then after that, we were kind of like, or I mean, I was definitely like, okay, and and thankfully, I married a woman that will that also believes in me that yeah. does that, you know, and. I'm stoked because now I got where I wanted to be. Are you guys still living in Amarillo? Yeah, yeah, nice. we live there. She now. works for a record company, or she something? works for Sony. Sony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Amarillo. why we're there. It's yeah. We've convoluted about story. Yes, yeah. <laughs> convoluted, definitely. Um, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned music and English, taught or Vaden. Sorry, uh, because I've actually got it written here that you didn't seem like the type of person who necessarily would go to college. I asked if you were going to be were English major, but uh, but necessarily, what did you want to be when you grew up, or did you know any idea? Man, you know the reason that I started a band is because I couldn't figure out what the fuck I wanted to do. I can't I can't imagine. <laughs> this, I'm serious, man. I, I like I'm just going to go do music and and just have day jobs because I couldn't. Uh, you know, I didn't want to go to college. I, you know, I, I have very few regrets. That's that is one. I kind of wish I'd have done that. But, uh, but, um, uh, but I just I hated school. I hated it. Um, yeah, me too. But, uh, um, yeah, I just couldn't imagine. You know, uh, if I'm going to wear a name tag, at least I'm going to work somewhere cool, like a record store, because those are going to last forever. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, uh, and that's what I did. I was a manager at a record store when we got signed. Which record store? Uh, it's called Sound Warehouse in Fort Worth. Oh, Sound Warehouse, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, was. that's when people, you know, the record stores, and there were people there that loved music and knew all about it, and that was the, you know, artists and and uh, poets and writers all worked at this thing, and musicians. It was, it was a killer job. Bunch of bunch of weirdos, man. It's great. Best job ever. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, I just, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just scared out of my ass, and so I started a band. That's that's why I started doing this stuff, too. That's why how I got into music. I hated school and didn't know what to do, couldn't play any instruments, so I just started interviewing bands and then booking shows. Right on. <laughs> and here I am. That's cool. Dirt poor, Damn. but, you know, yeah, I never, I'm happy. I never imagined for a, even after we got signed, I never imagined for a, a minute that, we, that I would be able to make a living at this. Never. I was like, uh, it was a year into being on tour... When or maybe later than that, hell, it was like '96 when we recouped the record, and uh, and I got my first giant check since getting signed, and I'm like, fuck, I think I might be able to do this. Holy shit! You know, so uh, yeah, I kept every day. I thought, oh, I'm getting dropped tomorrow. That's cool. 
You didn't. Nope. What about you, Donnie? What did you want to be when you grew up? Same this, thing? Musician? This. I, I fucked with the idea of other things, but um, I think about halfway through high school, all my friends were thinking about going to college, and so I went and asked my mom and dad. I said, so guys, what do we have in the bank for me to go to college? And my mom and dad were like, we don't have anything in the yeah. bank for that college. Like, we barely have any in the bank for rent. Like, oh, music so <laughs> and it was, it was almost it was as well as necessity you know I went to school for about a year and a half for, college, uh, for music as well and got into part writing and I thought fuck this uh uh-uh. uh you know but it was just kind of like Todd was saying you figure out I got what I wanted from, from um, music classes learned what I needed and then figured ah, I'm gonna do what I want I, but I do wish I would have stayed but if I had, I don't think a lot of shit would have happened, you know. But this is what I wanted to do. I've always wanted to do. You know, I've seen the world because of music, you know. So it's been, um, it's been good to me. You, you get what you put into it. I think. It's funny because I think you know, especially having a kid now. I've got a nine-year-old daughter, and you can see how natural talent is there, and just an ear. Uh, you know, my daughter's got a crazy good. Uh, play her a note she sings it nails it it's wow. amazing and uh she's been able to do that for since she was four but uh um that's genetic that's I th- yeah weird. well i don't that's know i mean genetic. uh you know i picked up my brother's acoustic when i was a little kid i remember i would have to memorize where the tuning pegs were because i would always tune it and it would he'd piss him off because it wasn't <laughs> the way he tuned it and it because and you would tune it i correctly. would tune it <laughs> And it was like, he goes, why do you keep fucking with my guitar? And I said, well, you know, you play the same note on two strings, and when you tune it, the two, the same note on the two strings go, wow, 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 like that. And when I tune it, they go, wow, like that. And he said, what the fuck are you talking about? Stay off my fucking guitar. Really? <laughs> I didn't know that's a fucking sine waves, man, that's what that is. It's just weird. The two signals and how they yeah. cross. Didn't learn that till theory class in fucking college. <laughs> and you go, wait. And you go, hey, to your brother, hey, fuck you, dick. I yeah. was right. Yeah. <laughs> who's the musician and who's the accountant? <laughs> no shit. <clears throat> um, so I'm, I'm going to jump, jump forward a little bit and skip out all this other stuff. Because, man, anyway, uh, so other than like. The only bands other than like Texas Hippie Coalition, which we just mentioned, which I didn't actually know, was from the Dallas area. Sherman. Sherman. But, you know, that's, that's an hour Sherman north. Area. How far is that from Denton? Or is that that, is that, that direct? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Sherman's Grayson County. Yeah. Whole other program. Yeah. But uh, I, really, <laughs> the bands out of that area are like you guys. And they put the, they put the like, kind of cattle guards up at the roads in and out of Sherman that like... Like, if you try to get out, you fall in it. Beware. <laughs> the place is just full. The smart ones that can get out jump across. That's why we got out. Everyone else is still there. Like, all right. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about Shreveport, which, uh, sorry, Shreveport friends who are listening. Like, oh, I'm not sorry. Like, I mean, Rich would be the first one, though. But again, like I said, they, they're doing well. Yeah. You know, and they're part of all of that. You know, there's, there's a a dearth of bands that weren't doing shit for a while you know there and then whenever we were all doing well it was a great great time of things it was a different type of band that was getting signed it wasn't the same sound I don't think you know well I was gonna say like the bands that I remember coming out of Dallas were Trippin' Daisy Revan Horton Heat 
Toadies and I guess Burden Brothers and like I haven't really heard of anything else coming out. And I heard that Deep Elm was just dead nowadays. Oh, it's coming back. Yeah. It's coming back. Yeah, within yeah. the last. My girlfriend lives in Deep Elm, uh, and it's. She, I, I don't feel weird about her walking around by herself. Cool. Yeah, because when I was like 17, 18, 19, I'd steal my car and drive the three hours from Shreveport to Dallas, and that's where we'd spend the weekends hanging out and yeah, yeah. growing up in sure. Galaxy Club, Deep Elm Live, yeah. and Trees and. And then, like, I hear from friends, like, it's all dead. you got to go to Austin now for all that stuff. But I, yeah, good that it's coming back. I just moved over to Lower Greenville, and it's like, yeah. I think there's, like, a nine-year bounce. Uh, like, that's Taz. I think, I'm not sure what the number is, but that's Taz's theory. It's like, things move from uh, Lower Greenville to Deep Ellum, and then it all moves back. Oh, And then okay. it just keeps bouncing back and forth. And uh, it seems to be pretty accurate. He said that fucking... 10 years ago and it's, I've seen it happen but we got uh, great bands going I mean we keep picking really I mean we're doing yeah. uh, Segway Dia de los Toadies this year you know mm-hmm. this is the fifth year and we've got a couple of really kick ass bands from Dallas as well yeah our management had to tell us okay we've got enough Dallas acts we need <laughs> other we kept from, putting, you know Dallas Fort Worth I should say because I live in Fort Worth and there's yeah. a ton of Great music going on in Fort Worth. It's right probably now. a little bit better there. You know? I think it, I, I, I'm partial to it, of course. Well, yeah, but I, I don't even think I've ever been to Fort Worth, and like all my immediate family grew up in Dallas and whatnot. So, and I'm like, how have I never been to Fort Worth? But I can't ever yeah, remember. Fort Worth's awesome. Here's yeah. the difference between Dallas and Fort Worth. Dallas wants to be something that it isn't, and Fort Worth just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. Basically, it's like we've got all this cool stuff. But we don't fucking care. And Dallas is like, we want the cool stuff. Yeah. You, uh, know? you know, Fort Worth has, uh, what do you call it, uh, grass and fountains and uh, old, yeah. old buildings. Like Anything gets old, Dallas would fucking tear it down. Mm-hmm. And What's I love issue? Dallas. I love, I've loved living there. We're going to end up back there one day, maybe. We've discussed maybe going back to Fort Worth or to Hebe or something. Yeah, I love Fort Worth. Uh, Fort Worth gets compared to Austin, believe it or not, a lot because of the vibe. I mean... Uh, you put on your signal and people let you in front of them. You, you go to a go to a bar or a music venue uh, like Lola's or any you know, Magnolia Motor Lounge, and you'll see a uh, punk rock dude having a beer with a full-on redneck like guy with fucking spurs on. I mean, it's like it's, it's like cool. that. It's really cool. It's very cool, you know. And we've got what like Sea Lion from there, King yeah. of Bucks. Uh, bands that we like. Fuss, Red the 100s. Fuss. Yeah, the Red 100s are good. Tons of good bands. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so there, it's building back up, finally. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> Here Holy Spain. So. Nice. Sorry, go ahead, dude. No, 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 I, I'm going to jump ahead because I've got all this stuff, like, planned out. But, man, you guys keep covering it for me. And we're running out of time already. But uh, um, I, w- I want to jump into the new stuff. So you guys have been back since 2008. I was telling people, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out and see the Toadies. They're like, they're still together? And I'm like, yeah. There, there's that group that's like, they're still together. And I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm, and then there's the other group, fuck yeah, I'm jealous. Can I come too? And uh, what I've always liked, uh, especially this last week, I've been listening to the new stuff over and over and over again. Um, it sounds like even the old stuff, it doesn't sound dated. It doesn't sound like a 90s band. It sounds something still fresh and new. And then the new stuff, it seems like you've taken that formula from that old band and fermented it like in a keg or something like beer or whiskey or booze. And it's just become something so much greater now because of all this this time. And it doesn't seem like there's no, any rush or hurry with the band anymore. It's just like, hey, yeah, this is what we do. Um, is the, uh, So, I mean, um, what was it finally like to unleash 
all these uh, this fermentation back onto the public in 2008 and even still now? Um, you know, uh, we did that record, uh, No Deliverance, and we all had the attitude that I had when we did uh, Rubberneck, which was, eh, we'll do a kick-ass record and do a couple tours, and then in the Rubberneck case, I thought, well, they have to put me out for a couple tours and do some promotion, then I'll get dropped and go back to work. And, uh, and with No Deliverance, it was like, uh, you know, everybody's forgotten about us by now, but we put out a kick-ass record, go do a tour, drink a lot of beer, hang out with my band, and then come home, just, you know, fuck off, go back to our lives. And um, we got out to do No Deliverance, and our crowd had grown exponentially yeah. since we left, and it's, it, was, it was really a shocker. Yeah. Well, well, for me, like, because I, I saw you guys on that tour at the Gothic here in Denver. Yeah. Um, I wasn't old enough to see you guys when you guys were actively playing around in the area. I think the few times you played Shreveport, I was still like 13, 14. So for me, it's like, fuck yeah, I'm 25 or however old I was. It's like, Let's go see them. So, right. And then they never took the songs off the radio. They're still played to this day. That's cool. That's uh, very fortunate to have that. Yeah. I yeah. saw kids the other night. We were in Chicago. I saw four or five kids that came up to me. The oldest one was 20. They weren't even old enough, barely, when Rubberneck came out. And they've gotten into every record they had bought the new record the day of release and they were just fans which was like you know a lot of bands or whatever you know a lot of bands when they come out a certain time they get that crowd and then people will go back to revisit their memories that's not happening for us we keep getting newer fans and newer fans yeah and newer yeah fans. exactly our the, the toadies fans have always been really diverse mm-hmm. um which can lead to a lot of fights <laughs> but uh you know, we've always got a big music nerd crowd and a big jock crowd, and those two just don't jive. But, uh, but um, it's it's gotten way more diverse. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the sex, the the uh, race, uh, just any factor you can think of, yeah. age, anything, and it's just really it's all over the map, and it's That's just awesome it's really cool. To see. Yeah. yeah, and everybody's starting to get along for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. I think because there's a good number of people that have been around for 20 years, yeah. you know, that that don't are not going to put up with that shit anymore. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hate to make the comparison, but I'm thinking of uh, what's the guy from the Replacements? Well, that was another. Was that a Dallas band? Replacements? No. no. no? Uh, Roger Klein, like he has that kind of Pace vibe. Maker. Yeah, pacemakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger Klein. He he has that kind of like every time I go see him, it's a completely bizarre crowd, and it's awesome. So, but you guys don't have that kind of Jimmy Buffett esque. They have more of a Jimmy Buffett vibe, I think. I, eh, anyway, but thank you for that. Um, but, yeah, you guys still manage to sound timeless, even even those old records. Is that a conscious decision, or is that just how the songs end up coming out? I, I appreciate that, first off. Um, no, songs just come out, man. I've, uh, I, I can't write unless I don't think about what other people are going to like. Yeah. And I can't write if considering anything other than what I like to listen to. And so uh, with this record... Especially uh, with play rock music, it was we went in the studio to do some demos and just throw some shit together, and it went so well we eventually just decided to make a whole record, and uh, it was all just right on the fly. And so there was no, you know, I'm my own worst editor, so uh, it was there's no time to do that. It was like I'm going to write this song today, and then by the end by tonight, the drums and bass are recorded, and tomorrow I'll do the vocals. Oh yeah, it was kick ass, man. It, it was, was really cool. It was it was my first record with them, and I was just it literally thrown in, pretty much, and just stoked. Like, here's my shot. You know, you got to shine right then and there. Yeah. So yeah. it was 
It was pressure, I think. Yeah. But it was great. That's how good, really good music, really good music is written and performed. I, I did read some really good reviews about uh, the bass lines on this album in a couple different spots. I forget where, but I did the, about how prominent they were. We worked on it. Todd has always played the bass on you know the past few records and stuff, so I always wanted to get you know what what he thought about it. So you know, and he writes just badass bass lines anyway. So I was like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? You know, so to to get that confirmation was a big thing for me. You know, they had that faith in me to to do that. You know. Well, yeah, so, and it was cool too because I, you know it freed me up not having to you know worry about the bass because you had it covered freed me up to continue writing and and work on everything else yeah it was cool to see the work ethic though i mean we would go in at 11 and wouldn't leave until 12 1 sometimes yeah and if something needed to be written todd would go back to that trailer part that the, writer, the writer's lounge is like writer's called. lounge <laughs> writer's lounge and little trailer with a window unit and a chair. Oh, like nice. that was it. <laughs> yeah, he would come back like an hour or so later. Got lyrics, gonna go sing them, you know. And we weren't doing it like all the drums, all the bass, all the guitars. It was drums. Then Todd would have lyrics, so he's like, "I want to sing this." It was very unorthodox. Yeah, Frenchie, our producer, was like, "This is," you know, came out, came in with lyrics when they were editing drums and said, "Hey, I'm ready to sing." And he kind of his face just went white. <laughs> and um. Because uh, you don't do that. I mean, you you don't do things out of order because you got to set things up. But they managed to set it all up so we could record anything we wanted when we wanted to yeah. with a minimal changeover. It was yeah, great. It was a really great setup. For that vibe that was going into it of let's do this now, they were prepared for it 100%. Yep. yep. You know? They rolled with it. They really did. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what other than time and age, which I guess is the same thing, and I guess lineup changes, what's changed with the uh, songwriting process? Um... No. Has, has anything? Not a whole lot, no. I mean, this record is the first one that I've done that wasn't fully realized before we went in the studio, for the most part. I have uh, generally have demos that I can do the drums and uh, just about everything on. Uh, I give it to the band, and we all learn our parts, and I go to the studio. And we even reference, you know, put the demo down first in the studio and then play to it sometimes. So uh, this record, there was two songs that were kind of fully realized, and that was it. And so we just went in, and, and I had riffs and ideas for the rest, and we just... Fucking wrote it on the fly, so it's way different process. Yeah. Um, all this, all the songs seem to tell a story. Have you written anything other than songs? Have you written novels, short stories, anything like that? No, no. I kind of run out of juice at three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, short and sweet and to the point. You tell the story as it needs to be told. Yeah, I mean, I, I do tend to write songs, uh, story songs that kind of link together. Like, uh, not as mu- not as much on this record, but uh, like on No Deliverance, there's. A good, a good half that record is about this, these, this couple, that, you know, and what's going on in their lives. At least in my mind, you know, figure out what they're going to yeah. do next and write a song about it. Uh, and I was listening to "Lament of a Good Man," and it kind of, it's very. My interpretation was it was very Burden Brothers esque, but with a Toadie's interpretation of it. Hmm. Um, do you like write songs like ah, this is a Burden Brothers song? We'll throw it on the back burner, or is it just? I wrote, I wrote a song, here you go, we're going to play it in this band. Uh, generally, I just write songs. And the Burden Brothers, I didn't do all the writing. Right. I did you know, just a portion of it, so uh, it was pretty diverse. And I could try different things in the Burden Brothers, which opened me up to help my writing. Um, but, uh, yeah, Laments, um, I just thought this is going to be the most fucked up Toadie song ever. And it pretty much is. It's great. 
Thanks. Thank you. Uh, is there any person is personal stuff in there? Or do you have a good time, hard time being a good man? Uh, no, no. I just see. Uh, I think what that song is speaking to is back to you know when I couldn't figure out what to do for a living. I didn't want to be the the guy who works eighty hours a week and then doesn't have time to be with his family or, okay. or any of that shit. And and you know just just goes through gets the job to make the money and then you know gets the car and then has the, the job to keep the car and the kids yeah. and all that shit and the funny thing is I didn't want to be the guy who works 80 hours a week so now I'm the guy who travels a fucking month at a time <laughs> but when I'm home I'm home okay. yeah do you do anything you're when home. you're at home uh, I, <laughs> I'm gonna be a smart ass no um, yeah I do I've got a kid so I spend a lot of time with her a great nine year old daughter like I mentioned and um, I do some uh, build stuff I'm remodeling a bathroom and I like to do a lot of stuff with my hands cool. yeah I took a little uh, three-day trip with my daughter right before we left with this one, and just me and her, and traveled around Texas and did caves and floated rivers and ate in restaurants and just lived the high life. It was great. How sh- how stoked is she on her rock star father? Uh, or does does she even realize? She she re- I think the point she realized it was when I was doing a signing in Austin. I went down there to promote Dia a few years ago. One of the Dias a few years ago, and. Uh, and she was just kind of whatever, you know. My dad does whatever, so I don't care if my first grade principal gives a shit about my dad. And uh, so, uh, uh, but then I was signing stuff, and this girl, like a few years older than her, she always looks up to kids, like all kids do, a little older. And uh, this kid came through and was really excited to get an autograph. And that's when she kind of she looked at that, she looked at me, and like I saw her eyes go, awesome, you know. So. Uh, so since then, she understands it. Uh, she's a smart ass, though. She's like, yeah. like, I don't know. Possum Kingdom's okay. I like other stuff off that record better. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Be the indie person. Yeah. Like, I don't like the hits, Dad. <laughs> I like the deep cuts. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have any kids, do you, Donnie? No. There's no way that the Earth wants me to unleash, unleash offspring <laughs> upon it. So it's best left. Nah, no, no way. All right. Well, I'm going to start wrapping things up. Um, okay. But uh, one of the things I've gotten an impression from about you guys is that you guys are very content to do your own thing, uh, not follow what's popular or the norm, and it seemed to work out pretty well for you guys. Has that always been the case, or in the 90s was there a, like, we got to follow this guy or that guy or whatever? Or ha- has that always been part of you? Oh, I've never, yeah, I've never cared to follow anybody. I mean, I've got bands I like that influence me and stuff like that, but... Uh, yeah, um, I've, yeah. I, I don't, I've never really given a shit about you know what what it takes to write a single or any of that stuff. Hey, Rachel. But uh, you know, just uh, yeah, I, I can't think about that stuff or it's just distracting. Yeah, it's a bum out. <laughs> you don't get good music written that way. You know? Well, like that, that and everything put together. But it seems to work out for you guys. You guys are masters of your own destiny now, right? Sorry. Yeah. Said masters of your own destiny. Yeah, yeah. Masters yeah. of our own destiny. There we go, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll go with that. I like that. Uh, I guess they're about the sound check. Uh, where, do you, where do you go from here? Home. Home. And then what next? What next for the future? I know you guys got a uh, West Coast leg coming up. Yeah, we have Dia de los Toadies on uh, August 31, September 1. Then we have, oh, nothing. We can't announce that until after Dia, yeah. I don't think. Uh, and then... Um, we have uh, the second leg of this tour starts in the middle of October, and we go west. Okay. And Dia this year has Helmet, 
uh, Mariachi El Bronx and uh, Riverboat Gamblers yeah, and Brutal Juice are and back a shit together. ton of other bands. Two stages all day long. It's going to be great. All day long. Oh. We're going to do an acoustic, well, a different set. Yeah. We're going to, we do all the songs. On uh, Friday night. For, on Friday night, on August 31st, we do like a full set of all the songs, but like in a different setting with you know, different instrumentation and stuff. So that's it. And Saturday is balls out. Balls out, rock and roll. And you guys first see this machine keeping going for a while? The Toadies machine keep going? Oh, uh, you know, it'll go as long as it goes. I'm, I, you know, I'm just happy that people are still listening. So yeah. well, if people come to shows, I'll keep traveling. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, all right, buddies. Well, thank you to Mr. Donnie Blair and Mr. Vaden Todd Lewis for helping us set up this fine, wonderful interview. Again, I think this is one of the best ones. One of the best episodes we've had yet. And Donnie Blair, I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you for uh, helping grease the wheels and making sure this this interview happened. And thank you for joining it. Um, I think without you, we would have had a pretty good episode. But with you and your enthusiasm and your just wonderfulness, uh, we have one of the best episodes we've ever had. Uh, again, it's it's always a pleasure to sit down with guys who I kind of grew up idolizing and finding out that they're just they're just cool, normal people. Um, what I really like about Vaden is he's he's a smart ass. And, and, and literally, like he's a like a particularly smart individual, and and a smart ass, and funny, well-rounded gentleman. Uh, the show that night went off without a hitch. Fantastic show. Uh, it's probably the best I've ever seen the band. And maybe it's maybe it's because I got to hang out with them a little bit beforehand. And I got to I know the guys a little bit better. Again, thank you uh, for listening to the Most Harmless Podcast. I apologize. Again, I am a little under the weather, so I'm slurring, saying things that don't make any sense. Well, shit, I'm sorry. Again, uh, the Toadies are about to kickstart the second leg of their tour with Helmet and Ume. It's going to kickstart on October 18th in Tucson, and it's going to go all the way through, uh, I believe, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let's see. I got those tour dates here. It ends uh, in Lubbock, Texas on November 10th. Now, Helmet and Ume are going to end up back in Fort Collins, Colorado with the Aggie Theater on november 5th uh when i talked to donnie about it he wasn't sure why the toadies weren't on that show there was some kind of brouhaha and they hadn't quite worked it out yet hopefully the toadies will be on that show please if you're a colorado resident and you did miss ume at their um at the at this show in denver please make make the hour and a half drive to fort collins and check them out open it for helmet it is well worth the drive and helmet i mean come on it's helmet Paige hamilton like those guys kick ass i'm going to try to go up and i'm going to try to score that pro that uh that interview with Paige Hamilton then. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the Most Harmless Podcast, please check out mostofharmlesspodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a little review. Uh, we do mostly punk rock stuff, uh, but I'm trying to branch out. Uh, if you like the double episode thing that we did this week, I'm going to try to work on that a little bit more. I've got some filmmakers I got tapped online to, uh, for some future episodes, and I'd like to kind of balance that. Like do a filmmaker episode, do a uh, you know half filmmaker half movie uh, you know you know what i'm saying you know half film half music or maybe half comic book half music uh there's a whole lot of territory i'd really like to cover and thank you guys for being a part of it again play rock music is out now on kirkland records uh please make sure to check out ume and their 2011 record uh phantoms it's on modern outside records and stay tuned because they've got that uh they've got that new album in the works too and uh, and again, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservation with Ume, September 3rd, Travel Channel. Um, De Las De Todis, Whitewater Amphitheater, 
right outside Austin, Texas, with the Toadies, Mariachi, LeBronx, Helmet, Riverboat Gamblers, Brutal Juice, and Morse, August 31st and September 1st. Again, thank you, Donnie Blair. Donnie Blair, please come visit me again in Colorado. We will go get tons and tons of Dazabog coffee. Funny story, last one of the last times Donnie was here, uh, he was telling me about every time he saw a Dazbog coffee, he would have to stop and get Dazbog coffee. And sure enough, he has gotten me hooked due to his enthusiasm. But it's hard because Donnie Blair is a very over not not overly enthusiastic guy. He's just a super energetic, happy guy. And I'm really, really happy to call you a friend, Donnie. And uh, thank you for everything. Um, again, this episode wouldn't be as epic or awesome without you. So, guys, I'm going to go uh, lay down, try to kick this cold medicine. We're going to end this episode with uh, the first single off uh, Play Rock Music. It's called Summer of the Strange. That album is out now on Kirtland Records. Please check it out. It is one of my uh, favorite albums of the year. Uh, And honestly, I think it's just as good as Rubber Neck, if not better. So congratulations, Toadies. Congratulations on kicking ass and making making good music. (laughs) All right, buddies. I I hear my couch calling. Good night.